0: Hello and welcome to Field Notes, the sister podcast to Sounds of the Sanctuary, the brand new podcast by Red Wings. In Field Notes, each week we sit down with an expert from the charity to take a closer look at some of the horse care issues raised in previous episodes of Sounds of the Sanctuary. We hope this will be really interesting and informative for any horse owners, as well as those thinking of taking on a horse for the first time, and anyone who'd like to find out more about caring for equines. In this week’s Sounds of the Sanctuary, we met Atilda, who at six months old, was discovered in incredibly poor condition in a field in Norfolk. If she’d just been given the basic care she needed, she may never have ended up in the state she did. Today, we're sitting down with Wings senior campaigns officer Helen Whiteleg to talk about what we mean by basic care and how horse owners can provide this for their four-legged friends. So today we're speaking to Helen Whiteley. Helen, I just wonder if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and a little bit about what you do here.
1: Yeah, it's uh, nice to be here. Thanks, Steph. So I first started working at Red Wings in 2001 and I've done a variety of roles at the charity, including hands on horse care, including um, time at our quarantine centre as well. So uh, looking after some of our recent rescues and seeing the sort of welfare conditions that some of them arrive with and what it takes to to try and rehabilitate them and and get them well again. And I've also worked in the welfare team, sort of dealing with inquiries from people who were worried about horses or or wanting help with their own horses. Um, And I now sort of work in the campaigning and education side, trying to raise awareness of some of the some of the issues that people see
0: fantastic so you kind of take all the experience you've had over the years in working in the different sectors of the sanctuary and all the sites you've kind of seen into pouring that into um helping horse owners and people who are interested in in equines kind of learn more about them and and how to care for them basically
1: absolutely um trying to sort of prevent the need for rescue really just um Sometimes it's not always um, a really big deal or a really expensive issue that is going to take a lot of time or money to resolve. It's just having the awareness of what a problem may be and and the steps that somebody needs to take to to spot it early, stop it becoming a bigger issue. So it's it's great to be able to help people in that way.
0: Brilliant. Well, that leads us on really nicely to our topic today, which is basically looking at what we mean by basic care for a horse. So I just wonder if you might be able to start us off with... When we say what, what are the basic needs that a horse requires, what what kind of things are we talking about?
1: Okay. Um, so, in terms of basic care, I, I would think of that in terms of something that any horse would need, regardless of their their age, their size, their breed, um, whatever. Anybody is going to have to provide these for a horse if they're responsible for them. So, unsurprisingly, we've, we've got food and water on the list, um, making sure that the horse has not only enough to eat but the right type of food and not too much food either. Um, We do have a problem with overweight horses in the UK. Um, People tend to think of horses as as being very underweight when they're they're a welfare concern, but actually being very overweight also causes quite serious health issues. So it's about knowing um, exactly what a horse's nutritional needs are. And water, very important. Horses drink a lot of water. And so that needs to be, be factored in as a basic. Um, and then part of providing a horse's nutritional needs is, is often tied in with where they live if they are um, mostly kept in a paddock, which we'd hope a lot of horses would spend most or all of their time outside. Um, that's what they prefer. That's how we keep them here at Red Wings. So grass and sort of yeah, natural plants that you find in, a, in the fields and hedgerows are, are great for horses to graze on. But we need to manage that. And the paddock also needs to be secure, needs to be free from hazards, needs to be free from poisonous plants. Not all plants are are good for for horses and things like ragwort can be really um, a problem if they're ingested. So people do need to know how to protect them from poisonous plants as well. And also on the paddock side of things, um, keeping the paddock clean so picking up all the muck horses eat a lot so it means there's a lot of poo coming out the other end so that needs to be cleared away and that's an important part of their worm management when we talk about worms we're talking about parasitic worms that live inside their inside their bodies and we see a lot of our recent rescues coming in with worm problems particularly younger horses who are more vulnerable to them by and large so to deal with that, we, we have to pick up the poo, which is, is part of the horse uh, the worm's life cycle. But in addition to that we have to monitor whether our horses have any worms. Uh, and give them a deworming product if need be that's a really important part of horse care and I think particularly more so these days because we know that um, there's growing resistance among some of the most common types of worm to the deworming products that are available which is obviously if we can't kill the worms we can't get on top of them there's a real big welfare issue there um, so, having a, a, an up to date and carefully planned worming program in place um, is really, really important. And um, you would need to work with your vet or somebody who specializes in worm control programs. That they're often referred to as a suitably qualified person. So, when a rescue like Matilda came in, for example, she had a worm egg count of well over 2,000 worm eggs per gram i mean a gram is a tiny tiny amount of poo and the worm eggs are invisible so that has to be tested under a microscope she had yeah and that was of one type of worm and she also had worm eggs of another type of worm that's particularly common in youngsters so often a horse that's in a very poor body condition that may be be related to worms a, a, a very large worm population can make a real difference to their ability to absorb nutrients and, and carry weight and be healthy another one for routine healthcare would be barrier revisits so that's obviously looking after the horse's hooves the horses hooves are growing all the time and we need to stop them getting too long because that can cause problems um and check that the the hoof is healthy, kept in a good shape. Um, I'm sure most people have heard of the expression no foot no horse and it is really true that horses are very mobile they spend the vast majority of their lives on their feet so they do need to have healthy feet that can that can do the job. So most horses would need to see a farrier every six to eight weeks. Ferry is really important. Not not all horses will need horse shoes, but some horses um, who are in a lot of work may need shoes to help protect the the bottom of the hoof from wearing away too quickly. And sometimes if they've got a problem with their feet, they might need uh, horseshoes on for what we would call therapeutic reasons um, to give the foot a bit of extra support in addition to looking after the horse's feet we also need to look after their teeth and not everybody knows that horses need to see the dentist regularly the same as humans and that's partly because their teeth are actually very different to ours and grow out through the gums throughout their life and if they're not worn away evenly as the horse choose they can get sharp edges and gaps and points and become really really uncomfortable and horses spend a lot of their life chewing eating grass eating hay teeth are really important part of the digestive process so it's important that we look after digestive health and particularly in older horses a lot of the time if, if a much older horse comes to us in poor weight that's often related to a dental problem So, yeah, lots of basic, routine, preventative health care. We at Red Wings would include vaccinations in that as well. An annual vaccination against equine flu, which is really an effective way of reducing the chances of getting quite a nasty infectious disease and spreading it around to other horses. And tetanus as well, which humans obviously require tetanus. to reduce the chances of a really really nasty illness if they get infection tetanus infection in the wound which horses obviously living outside are are quite susceptible to so we would count them as good basics as well.
0: There's quite a lot to unpack there in terms of pasture and in terms of kind of, as you say, that routine medical upkeep. And I'm guessing for anyone who is thinking about taking on a horse, all of a sudden that sounds like there's a lot to think about. But that's true, isn't it? With a horse, there is sort like taking on any pet, really. There's lots of considerations that need to be made. But would you say that it's all manageable? if you've got the knowledge and the time and the dedication to do it
1: definitely obviously because there are so many horses in the UK so many people providing these basics the people out there who will help you are of widespread you just need to tap into who they are find somebody who can to help you with each aspect of the horse care so in terms of farrier obviously you need to find a local farrier who's willing to come out every few weeks and that'll be part you know one of your diary dates that goes on to a sort of natural cycle find yourself um, a vet everybody should be registered with a vet for their horse um, the vet would come and provide the annual vaccinations you can either ask a vet to carry out a dental check in any dental work or you can use a qualified equine dentists which who are specialists in their own right as we've said uh, veterinary practice can help you with worming programs or a suitably qualified person, or you can look online for the companies that carry out worm counts remotely, you can post off a poo sample and, and they can help you with that. In terms of nutrition, you, there are, are lots of nutritionists out there linked to, to feed companies, things like that. So there is loads of support and other horse owners who have a bit more experience are a great source of advice and information as well. And charities like us, like Red Wings, who are keen to get the basic information out there, support people who are interested in taking on a horse or have come across something that they realise they're not up to date on and want to find out a bit more about it or know how we tackle a problem at Red Wings. Because obviously we look after horses ourselves on a daily basis and have got a lot of experience in all all different scenarios. Don't be daunted, but I would say be aware and make sure you are looking into everything because preventative health care is by far the best way to keep your horse healthy rather than let a problem escalate and then find that you've got something that's more advanced, more expensive to to try and sort out and is going to take longer to to get right as well as sort of potentially compromising your horse's well-being in the meantime.
0: Yes, because so for example like Matilda, we don't 100% know the circumstances of how she came to be in the state that she was but it was quite obvious that her needs had not been met particularly medically and with preventative things like worming and barrierea yes. exactly. how quickly do you think a horse could go downhill if that cycle of preventative care and and veterinary inter, um, interventions were suddenly to collapse if people found themselves in in um, mm-hmm. in a situation where they couldn't keep that up any longer? Would we really urge people to to look for help from Friends and organisations who could provide advice as soon as possible. Yeah,
1: it's never too early to ask for help and advice. I don't think it sort of depends on the issue. I and mean, obviously, hooves we kind of we can watch them growing and and they grow at a relatively steady rate, so that's more predictable. The longer you leave a hoof, the the longer it's going to get. Although you might find that if suddenly you get a big crack, that this connected with not having had the farrier enough to keep on top of the the trims that could become serious relatively quickly something like worms where it's going on internally and you can't quite see um and it's a more unpredictable situation because of how that obviously you're not entirely sure how the worm population is is reproducing and it, there's lots of other factors such as how well the the paddocks being cleared of muck the temperature on the paddock or if it's frosty or or very hot sunny days things like that can impact on how successful the worms are at reproducing so yeah i would say worms have got the potential to become quite serious quite quickly if left unmonitored and treated. It doesn't mean that we have to worry about horses having no worms whatsoever in them. A few worms doesn't cause a problem. It's it's about monitoring the situation and being guided by the people who can give you advice based on their experience and and based on your particular horse and their circumstances.
0: When we talked about things like farriery and veterinary intervention a lot of that can also depend on how well a horse can be handled and understanding a bit about horsey behaviour. So what kind of things do we need to consider in regards to that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. It is, I mean, to be able to effectively trim a horse's feet, to give a horse vaccinations, to be able to check their teeth. Obviously, we have to be able to work with them um, in a way that they can tolerate and be safe and comfortable with and that is going to be safe for the people around them as well. And horses are not born with that a bit you know we have to train them hopefully from a relatively young age that it's okay to be with us and that Um, some of the things that we do with them it might not be something they would choose to do but it's it's not going we're going to make it as pleasant as we can we'll try and put some positives in there to reward them for behaving for picking their feet up for the barrier for having an injection for their vaccination and things like that so it's a big part of what we do at Red Wings we do have horses coming into us whose lack of basic care is most definitely linked to the fact that that they can't be handled. They, they can't perhaps even be caught, um, have a head, head collar put on and know to stand still. And that is something that obviously we want to train them to do for their own sake, to know that people are not something to be afraid of, a source of stress. But also until we've got got to that point, we are very limited in the basic care that we can provide. It's It's not it's not going to be enough just to feed a horse and give it somewhere safe to live. We do have to be able to provide those those basic minimum other interventions to, to keep them well. And that is about working with each individual, about building a, a bit of a relationship with them, getting to know them. And what we've learned as an industry, particularly in recent years, That actually how a horse is psychologically how it's managed how happy it is with its life away from humans can really impact on its behavior when we then go to interact with them so a horse that is um, happy in his environment with his companions who is happily grazing for a lot of his day, as horses are sort of driven to do, that's what their instincts tell them to do. When they've got those kind of natural instincts, those boxes being ticked every day, they're much more relaxed in themselves, They feel more confident. They're less stressed. They're less anxious about unknowns being asked of them. And that makes them much easier for us to start to train and and be around. So, yeah, we invest invest a lot in what we call the three F's. That's forage, friends, freedom to sort of mimic up to a point the idea of, of horses in the wild, sort of grazing on wide open areas with their with their friends. That's um, what they as a species were designed them to do.
0: Wow, so it's really taking what we know about the basics of how horses function and then use that within our setting to keep them as calm as possible, relaxed as possible, have the loveliest life they can with us and obviously then that works with us in terms of how we then interact with them and we can care for them. So it's all everything plays into each other doesn't it definitely
1: it's very much linked and it all it all goes back to yeah how horses sort of think and feel quite naturally I, and the more we find out about horses the more important that aspect of of them as animals has become um so it, it's not a, just about being mindful of their you know their right to have a happy healthy life it's about our ability to provide that safely for them obviously it's a balance i don't know you know if people have seen Ponies if I visited the New Forest or Dartmoor or places where horses are li- living in a, a more natural environment, sort of a, what we would call a semi-feral pony, where they are roaming and they have their natural bands of family groups, it's not... Often possible to recreate that within a natural setting, but if you can take elements of it by providing companionship, by providing some space and the chance to sort of exercise naturally and freely and move around while. Picking for different types of feed and and moving between the water tank and the shade and a sort of um, a hay net hanging somewhere else. What we would now term enrichment. Yeah, that's starting to become more built into how we look at basic horse care, how we manage them.
0: Everything that we've talked about in this particular episode, whether it comes to basic care interventions, as you said, like farriery, vaccinations, etc., and then looking at their more primal instincts in terms of the freedom and companionship. These are all things, I mean, we work on a very big scale, don't we? We have, Gosh, yes. um, we have large herds and we're very lucky with the space we have. But no matter your your facilities, there are ways of incorporating that into the care for your own personal horse, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, everybody has a different setup. Every every yard sort of where people keep horses is is going to be a bit different. Obviously, you need a, a some kind of space. You do need some kind of land. The days where I think horses were only kept in stables it's it's not seen as a kind or a helpful way to manage horses anymore we understand them better than that even though historically that was much more normal but yes even if you've only got a relatively small piece of land or your horse needs to have their grazing restricted to help manage their weight which is also fairly common nowadays there are things you can do to kind of compensate for maybe limiting one of the aspects of how we manage horses in one respect, you can then compensate for it in another way. So if the horse is only on limited turnout, try and make sure that they've they've got a close friend with them, try and sort of If you provide forage, you can uh, put it in a hay net with really small holes and then put that inside another hay net so that the horse is going to have to pick for longer. And it just ekes out the time it takes to eat that hay net so that they get the sense that they are doing their natural job of eating for long periods of time rather than finishing all the hay very quickly and then standing around having nothing to do which isn't good for them either mentally or physically so yeah it's often the small things we've found that can make quite a lot of difference to supporting a horse's mental well-being and just looking at the world from their perspective
0: thank you so much Helen for that amazing information and all those tips that was brilliant thank you Thanks so much to Helen for taking part in this week's episode of Field Notes. If you have a question about horse care or you're concerned for the welfare of an equine, you can email welfare at redwings.co.uk or visit our website www.redwings.org.uk where you'll find plenty of free information. Until next week. Bye!